Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? You betcha. We're going to tell you how coming up. That's right. And we forgot to talk last time about the all-important Apple event. So we'll talk about that, and we'll continue our series through the Book of Romans. All that and more is coming up on the Real Faith for Real Life podcast from Cascade Fellowship in Grand Rapids, Michigan. All right, so let's dive in. Everybody knows Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, Mm. but you say you can now get a Chick-fil-A sandwich all of that goodness on the Lord's Day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Every time after church, my wife and I are debating what to have for lunch, and we want, Absolutely. we always Chick-fil-A want. Chick-fil-A comes up. Absolutely. We always want Chick-fil-A on the one day we can't have it. <laughs> what, is, what does that tell you about human nature, right? Sin, right there. Right. So <laughs> I came across this news story that claims there's this group that's created a website. They're going to stockpile chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A, and okay. then they're going to resell them on Sundays. Okay. They're going to keep them warm. It's all going to be good, they claim. Uh, How much is this Chick-fil-A sandwich going to cost? You get an idea about their motives by the, the cost. $6.66. Perfect. Perfect. $6.66. Okay. So obviously they're poking a little bit of fun at a restaurant that chooses to obey the Sabbath. Right. And they even point out, you know, uh, hey, the New Testament says, Colossians 2.16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival or new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Yeah. So they're saying, hey, guys, why are you, why are you being a stickler about this one law? Um, Old Testament law. Old Testament law, which, you know, which is what the world must think looking at Christianity. Why are you guys choosing to obey this part of the Old Testament uh, yeah. and not this? You're wearing clothes with mixed fabrics, you're doing all these things, you're eating <laughs> yep. pork, and, and you're cho- some of you are choosing to obey the Sabbath and some of you are not. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. It's just that website, it, it brings all that into the mainstream discussion. Okay, but let's be real for a second. <laughs> right. Would you buy a secondhand sandwich? Uh, no. Okay, me Pro- either. Probably not from <laughs> the guys that are trying to prove a point. Right, absolutely. <laughs> like they are. Uh, but, you know, their point goes on. Even on the website, they state that, hey, evangelicals, you're all about the free market now. Yep. So let's free market it up, baby. Yeah. Chick-fil-A on Sunday. If the market wants it, we will deliver it. That's true. But it begs the question, too, does the, sta- does the Sabbath still apply? What does that look like in our age? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like for me. I am a pastor, so I work hard on Sundays. Sundays yeah. wear me out. I take a coma nap after oh, church. absolutely. Lasts like Every Sunday. Four hours. Yep. Uh, so my Sabbath is usually a Saturday, and I will do anything and everything except for what I usually do. The things that refresh and renew me, like uh, writing or playing music or taking photos yep. or reading. Um, so I don't have a lot of preset rules, like somebody gets to tell me, you have to do this on the Sabbath. You can't do this on the Sabbath. Your Sabbath has to be this day. But I believe, like Jesus said, the Sabbath is a gift to us. Mm-hmm. Like God gave us the Sabbath because it's good for us. So it's like Jesus said, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for Sabbath. Right. Yeah. So, you know, God knows what's best for us. God wants what's best for us in our lives. And he knows that we need this rhythm of renewal and rest so there's a finish line at the end of the week, and it's not just work all the time. Right. Like, that's our identity. 
but really our identity is in him. And Absolutely. we get to prove that by resting and trusting him at least, you know, that once a week. Yeah. Now, what about you? Yeah, we do the same thing. Uh, Saturday is our kind of family day. So our Saturdays typically just look like changing up our rhythm, doing something different, um, spending time together as a family, trying to enjoy Sabbath rest together. Yeah. yeah. And I've found that, uh, you know, along with the rest of God's laws, it really is the best way to live. Yeah. He created us. He knows what's best for us. His law Absolutely. is not a burden, but it's a gift to us. And we'll be talking about that more as we get into Romans. Right. But first, you mentioned, uh, you know, there was this other thing that happened recently, the Apple event. Right. Willy Wonka comes out of his chocolate factory once a year, yep. and he reveals what's new. <laughs> he pulls back the curtain, and this year... And there's always one more thing. Yeah. And this year, it was very iterative, right? Yeah. I was, I was not impressed. Were you? I got. I, I ordered the iPhone 13 Pro Max, okay. but I was due. Okay, I was due for a for a videographer like me. I like the idea of the bigger f stop, the cinematic mode, yeah, uh, the slightly larger screen, the 120 uh, hertz refresh rate. Oh, it's getting nerdy now. Uh, we just lost listeners. You just lost me. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of stuff under the hood that makes yeah. sense for a photographer and videographer like me, uh, but in the 5G, right, um, stuff like that, but. Yeah. But it's still, uh, how much more can you do to a phone? Are they going to be by sure. nature iterative from here on out? Yeah, but let's talk about the event just as a whole too, yeah. right? Like Apple has created this culture mm. of people wanting to follow what they're doing so closely. Even Eric down the hall, Eric was streaming the entire Apple <laughs> event the whole day. Like yeah. it took all afternoon, basically, yeah. you know, a couple hours. But they've created this culture where yeah. people tune in and they follow and they want to know mm -hmm. what's next. So it's really interesting to watch how, even though, okay, they may improve the camera a little bit, but mm -hmm. the phone itself is not a whole lot different. Mm -hmm. And yet people are streaming in and people order it as soon as yeah. you can, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, just the whole idea of how we follow products and mm -hmm. companies like this is uh, kind of an interesting concept too. Yeah. And I'll be the first to admit it can easily become an idol. I love technology. Yeah. And, uh, well, like you, I have the MacBook, I have right. the iPad Pro, I have the phone, I have the watch, <laughs> I have the Apple TV. I have the whole line. Yeah, know? right. I can get like uh, one, two, three, four, five, like five Apple products between me and the wall. You yep. know, watch all of yep. them. So it's easy for that and technology in general to become an idol, become Absolutely. really important to us, especially yep. now with the addictive social media apps that are on phones. Mm -hmm. Where you can just get lost, like doom scrolling for hours on right. end. Well, even by, beyond uh, social media, technology just kind of it consumes mm. our life now, right? Like yeah. everything we do is connected somehow to our phone or our computer or mm -hmm. some realm of technology. Yeah. So you have to ask the question at some point: Is this taking the rightful place of God in my life? Yeah. And uh, it's a scary question to ask. That's a question we have to ask about everything. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in Romans, we're gonna take care of the second half of chapter one here today. And yep. I think that's what Paul's getting at, you know, is as human beings, we're idol factories. We will worship anything and everything other than God by our nature. Right. And we have to be aware of that for the rest of the book to make sense. So you ready to dive in? Yeah. After the break, we'll read the second half of Romans chapter one. All right, so let's 
dive into the second part of Romans chapter 1. We're going to read together today verses 18 through 32. So Paul says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the of for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creating things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to, to because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Okay, light reading for today. Cheery, yeah. cheerful message. Super cheerful, super uplifting. <laughs> yeah. So Paul introduced this letter last week, or we introduced this letter uh, from Paul last week about how he longs to go to Rome. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden he takes his turn toward sin and wrath. Where did all that come from? Yeah, it's a pretty abrupt shift right. here in verse 18. You'll remember last week on the podcast, we were talking about verses 16 and 17. Yep. You know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. From the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that's by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. So last week, we were talking about the righteousness of God being revealed. Yeah. And this week begins with this other phrase, the wrath of God is being revealed. Right. And it's the same words there. I think it's an intentional parallel that Paul has created for us. Mm-hmm. And in so he's reminding us of this important fact about God, that he is um, loving and merciful and caring and good, uh, but he's more than that. He's holy and he's perfect. Uh, he is just. And because of that, there's some implications. If you're a holy God, you cannot be in fellowship with unholiness. You can't leave injustice unpunished. 
So God is both loving and, and holy at the mm-hmm. same time. And I think Paul started here because the rest of the letter won't make sense if he doesn't. Yeah. So unless you know there's a problem, you're not going to look for the solution. Right. Unless you know something's wrong, you're not going to look for how to make it right. And so Paul reminds his readers, hey, there's a problem in the human race. There's a problem in me. There's a problem in you. And it's called sin. And if he had not done that, share the bad news, then the good news would have not landed with these people like, well, why do I need to be saved? I it's not relevant to me that you're talking about salvation. Salvation from what? Yeah. I don't need this. So I believe that's why he starts with the wrath of God is being revealed. Yeah, it really does set the foundation of proclaiming the gospel through the rest of the letter. Yeah. But there, there are a lot of concepts here in, in this chunk of verses. How do you think that they all, I mean, how do they all fit together? Well, I'll give you an overview. Uh, so in verses 18, 19, and 20, we're, we're confronted with the idea that God has revealed himself to humanity clearly, mm-hmm. not ambiguously. Right. Uh, but conspicuously, he's given knowledge that he exists. We'll talk about that. We'll unpack that. And then in verse 21, we read that mankind, human beings, we rejected that knowledge and substituted and rationalized why we did that. So we exchanged God for something else, and that was God's made in our image or made in the image of lesser things that Mm -hmm. God created. So that's the basic flow of thought here. Everybody's accountable to God because he made himself known clearly they saw it, they perceived it, but they stifled it down, uh, and then they rationalized it away and substituted something else of their own making. Yeah. And so if you look in these verses, there's this repeated chorus. Three times you read that humanity exchanged something, mm-hmm. followed by God gave them over to something. And so in each case, humans are putting their own God in place of God, and God is reacting by handing them over to the natural consequences of what happens when you do that. Right. So you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, this section, it starts off talking about God's wrath, and you said that we were going to unpack that a little bit. It's important to talk about why is that. I think it's important to pause for a moment and think about why God would show wrath, why God can't just be loving. And, you know, I think as human beings, we can understand this if we really try to. I look at the moment we're in culturally, put aside for a moment whatever you think about cancel culture or being woke or whatever, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people being canceled today. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jeopardy. I've been following Matt Amodio's rise. He's almost $2 million. Um, But their host, the guy who was supposed to host, got canceled because he said something on a podcast. So we'll have to be careful what we say on this podcast. Like 10 years later, I won't be able to host Jeopardy. Right. But he said, and I don't want to minimize it. I want to walk a fine line here. But he said something he shouldn't have said. Um, Maybe held a view he shouldn't have held uh, some time ago. And now he's canceled. Mm -hmm. And there's this sense of justice in us where where some of us are like, yeah. He shouldn't do that, and this person shouldn't be making movies anymore, and this person shouldn't be a politician anymore. Cancel them, get rid of them. So it speaks to the fact that as human beings, we have this sense of right and wrong, and we want wrongs to be punished, especially when it's related to us personally. So if you injure my wife, I don't want a judge to just 
look over that and yeah. say, well, it's, you know, it's no big deal. Right. Each of us has a sense of justice. And so God being perfect, you know, he's got this infinitely greater sense of justice as the one who created each one of us, created the rules that we live by. He gets to call the shots. Would it not make sense that he is angry when his rules are violated, especially when they're rules for our own good? Like, like we said in the introduction, he's trying to give us this way of life that reflects the best way to live it. And then people are not giving him the honor he's due, not giving him the thanks he's due, and that explodes and explore, you know, it just infects every part of life between each other. Right. So there are parts of the world where the gospel has never been proclaimed. Not everyone knows that God exists. So they don't know that this applies to them, right? Mm. That's a very tough question. This answer <laughs> will get me canceled on. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I think the Bible is clear here in Romans chapter 1 that God has sufficiently made himself known uh, that we're without excuse. Yeah, well, and, and there's uh, the idea of general revelation, too, right, that, right. that we can dive into a little bit. Yeah, theologians call this general revelation as opposed to special revelation. So the, the Bible, these words on these pages are God's special revelation to us. They're logical, they have concepts, they have the flow of ideas, and the big idea is we're sinners in need of a Savior, and the only way to be saved is through faith. So that's special revelation. But theologians through the years have always said, hey, there's another type of God revealing mm -hmm. himself to us, general revelation, that is nature, that is we look uh, at the, the cosmos, we look at the galaxies, we look at black holes, we see the immensity of it, we see the design of it, yeah. we look in a microscope into our bodies, we see our B cells producing antibodies, we see these amazing things, the way DNA and RNA works, and we think, man, it, that points to a creator, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, you don't put all those raw elements in a bag and just shake it, and out comes a functioning B cell and antibodies and T cells and all, all of the stuff that makes us up. Yeah. It kind of points to the fact that there's a creator. And uh, Romans 1, Paul says this about all of that. He says, humans suppress that truth right. by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So there's this knowledge, and it's plain, and human beings tend to suppress it because of the sin nature that we have. So, you know, it's like Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands, day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. So creation itself is speaking to us that there's a creator. Creation implies creator. Mm. And Paul says the creation tells us certain things about God. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. Here it is. Here's what you can learn from creation. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and being understood from what he has made. So people are without excuse. So you can't learn everything about God. But you can learn about his immensity, his perfection, his power, the fact that he exists. And because of all that, that you should seek his mercy yeah. and that you're falling short of what he, this perfect God, would require of you. And a good continuation of that, I think, would be the result of all of this. It's yeah. kind of what we see in a few of these verses as well. 
Yeah, like we just said, that verse that we just finished reading, we're left without excuse. That's the sum total of the effect of general revelation and mm-hmm. the creation. It leaves us unable to meet God on judgment day and say, I had no idea you existed. Yeah. And this is just what Paul is saying here. It's it's difficult to think about, but we're just saying what the Bible says here. And Paul says, there's no excuse right. to think there's no God. Right. There's no excuse. He's made it plain to you. There's no excuse, but people still deny or people don't follow. Yeah. So verse 21, like we said, there's a progression of thought here. Verse 21 says, although they knew God, so mm-hmm. again, they know that there's a God, they're suppressing that, right? So the, verse 21, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so you see what happens when you suppress this truth about God. Right. And it, it, it's like God is due glory. He's due thanksgiving. He's due first place. He's due preeminence. He's due that, that throne in your life, so to speak. To use a little stereotypical kind of word. Put him <laughs> on the throne of your life. He's due all of that. But people don't do that. They put everything else in his place. Anything and everything. Because something's got to be in that place. Yeah. And when they don't put God in the right place, then nothing else in life works the way it's supposed to work. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what we see in the world around us and in our own lives, frankly. So verse 22, they claimed to be wise, but they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like immortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. It's, it's an interesting little progression there. So they yeah. exchanged God and all his glory for something that looks like a human. So, okay, that's, you know... But then beyond that to birds, things that fly in the air, and beyond that to animals that walk around on all fours, and beyond that to reptiles that crawl on the ground. So there's this downward progression of people substituting less and less glorious things for God. That's a really interesting progression. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, it's kind of absurd when you think about it. And the Old Testament prophets, especially Isaiah, they write about just how stupid it is to take a piece (laughs) of wood you cut it in half and you use one half of it to cook your meal and then the other half you you know put on the shelf and say you're my god now yeah. help me out deliver me yeah right <laughs> idolatry when you think about it really is incredibly dumb <laughs> yep but there is i mean in in these verses there's a lot about god's wrath there's a lot about our sin and sin nature where where do we where do we go with this what do we take away from it what are we supposed to make of all of these verses of what Paul's saying here? Well, I one of the takeaways for me is that all sin flows out of that primary sin of not putting God where he should be. Yeah. So the final verses list this all all these crazy wild sins, wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, murder, strife, envy, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, uh hating, hating, arrogance, boasting. Mm-hmm. It just goes on and on to try to make it clear, hey, when you don't put God in the right place, when you worship idols, here's what God is turning you over to, the natural overflow and outflow of that type of living, and it looks terrible. Right. When you live in a world where everybody is gossiping and slandering and murdering, and um, it's not how God designed it to be. Yeah. And that's a symptom of this original problem that we're not giving God preeminence in the place that he should have, that, that an idol has taken his place. So that's one takeaway is, you know, the fundamental sin is is not putting God in his proper place. And really, 
for me, that means this is uh, very similar. So me and Jeffrey Dahmer were not that different. Mm. Um, you know, I sin differently than Jeffrey, and you sin differently than me. Yeah. And the people in the office wing here, we all sin differently. But all of us are falling short of what God requires of us, and all of us are in need of mercy. And so wherever you find yourself on this list, whether your thing is envy or boasting or greed or murder, <laughs> uh, we all fall short and we all need mercy. That's, that's the deal. Um, it's almost like God's perfection is the moon and we're all trying to jump to the moon. Yeah. And I may jump two inches higher than you and, you know, Julie may jump four inches higher than all of us because <laughs> she's, you know. Uh, but anyway, we're all not getting to the moon. And the difference between us is minuscule compared to God's standard for us. We're all in need of a Savior. That's what Paul. That's the argument Paul is starting to build here. Right. But um, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. This is a, a necessary chapter one to what he's going to lay out in the rest of the letter, the good news. Yeah. And I think that's you know a good place to end our discussion. You know, the the wrath of God is being poured out. Paul says on these sins, mm -hmm. it's in present time that we experience the consequences of our sin, <clears throat> but it's also being stored up for a future judgment when we'll all stand before God and the righteousness of God and the wrath of God will be revealed. The good news about Jesus is the, the wrath of God was revealed on the cross too, yeah. and the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus instead of me and instead of you, instead of everybody who puts their faith in Jesus. And so the it's like uh, in the book of John, it's said this way, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. But if you do, it's taken away. It's paid for. All of that sin debt is paid for by Jesus in your place. So the question is, will the wrath remain on you that we all deserve, mm -hmm. or will someone pay it in your place? That's the only two options and we'll be you know unpacking that more in the weeks ahead all right so next week episode three we'll jump ahead a little bit in the book of romans but we're going to continue this conversation we're all in the same boat and god is righteous through it all yeah no matter who we are insider outsider born in the church never been to church we're all in the same boat yep. that's what we'll unpack next week that's right. So make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening from today and join us next week on Real Faith for Real Life. Real